0: guys it's it's a rough it's a rough start but we're doing fine oh man
1: welcome back it's foggy today i was telling taylor that that in ireland they call this a close day yeah it's a close this day where the barometric pressure comes down from the fog i blame the clouds we all just feel sleepy and tired oh, so we're preach. gonna go for that irish excuse today
0: <laughs> it's a big irish excuse type of day here at the spiritual yeah. spectrum <laughs> podcast thanks 100 percent. thanks for tuning in uh i'm yeah. i'm taylor I'm Elena and today we're talking about uh, just kind of random types of divination because we started going into types of divination and I found this fucking crazy list and I was like what like it's almost like you could use basically anything as a divination tool.
1: Yeah, I was amazed. I was like, do people just like f- pick up literally whatever's next to them and decide to like throw it and see what
0: happens? Uh, honestly. It's like those
1: videos on could. Instagram with people throwing pens into jars. Absolutely.
0: I know. Absolutely. It's so good. I'm sure that there's one that's just, yeah, that's just like you just throw a handful of pens on the ground and then yeah. whatever path. Pattern- you know,
1: actually, there there is one that's like the uh, divination of sticks. Yeah. And like, yeah, you just drop
0: steps. Just sticks. drop steps. That's one of them. Yeah. yeah, I know. So that's what we're getting so into. So today's going to be
1: real cool. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it, divination. So I guess we should talk about. I mean, we've we've talked about types of divination. If you have been following along chronologically with this show, um, you know, we're talking about. Uh, we talked about oracle cards. We talked about tarot cards. And uh, they're tools of divination, but divination is basically just the practice of seeking knowledge of the future or the unknown by supernatural means. So use any old fucking thing, and uh, it will probably give you some insight on some shit. So the first one that I'm going to crack into is called Electriomancy. And this is, uh, it's basically using a rooster as a tool of divination. And there are so many different ways that you can do this, but um, it could be like part of using the, the rooster as a tool of divination could be where you just observe the bird or several birds. Most preferably, a white rooster or a cockerel, cockerel pecking at grain such as wheat that the diviner has scattered on the ground. So, like you can just throw some wheat on the ground and let the bird pick at it, and then see what the what pattern uh, is like left by the bird. You can also um, place grain in the shape of letters. And then you just note down like which letters the bird goes to, like that it eats grain off of. Or you could like you could like write letters in the ground and put one uh, grain on each of the letters, and then you write down the letters that it goes to. But you replace the grain after it picks at it, so that uh, so that it it's can like go rooster back. Like rooster Ouija. <laughs> Literally, it is like Rooster Ouija, exactly. Oh my god. Um, and so like so then it's thought that like uh, you know either the pattern that's left by the rooster pecking at the the tossed grain uh you know will have some information that you can use as a tool to divine whatever message that you are looking for or it's gonna like literally spell out something to you and you it can either spell it out or you can make it like an anagram and rearrange the words to like get whatever answer you can make out of whatever random letters this <laughs> fucking rooster that's so awesome to peck at <laughs>
1: Um but it literally oh, wow. says
0: it literally says this form of divination is related to Ouija by the random selection of letters. <laughs> um <laughs> or cause cause they can also do it, like the diviner could also put like the letters in a circle around themselves. Um oh. but then it's also related to oronoscopy, which is the div- the divination of the movement of the birds. So like literally just watching like what the bird is doing, like what its activity mm. is. Um Interesting. Yeah, it's also sacrificing a sacred rooster. um. Mm. So it it's... What uh, makes the rooster sacred? <laughs> I don't know. Honestly, just what that are the, it's... What are,
1: what, yeah, well,
0: what are the requirements for a sacred rooster? <laughs> one, they really want it to be white. Um, oh, I'm right. not sure why. It's just it's just mentioned that it's a preference. Um, mm-hmm. Well, this is interesting. According to legend, the magician iamblicus iamblicus yeah i don't know how to say that used this art to discover the person who should succeed valens caesar in the empire but the bird picking up four of the grains um those which lay on the letters t-h-e-o left it uncertain whether it was theodosius theodotus theodorus or theodectes um was the person (laughs) designated so valens was like uh we're just gonna kill all those dudes So that nobody, none of them are going to. uh, Better safe than sorry. Come and steal my throne. So we're just like, just taking lives based on what a rooster potentially randomly did. Um, That's amazing. Yeah. Um, Human beings, y'all. I know. Um, In Africa, a black hen or a gamecock is used, um, which. Uh, within this like religious practice and belief it's used to like foresee or to be inspired by God Um, and basically they do the same thing where it's like the diviner will sprinkle grain on the ground and when the bird is finished eating then it just the seer interprets the designs or the patterns left on the ground Um, nice Also, another method which is supposedly used less often is the diviner will recite letters of the alphabet and then note which one the rooster crowed at. Oh,
1: kind of like when I talk to my dog and I'm
0: like, you want to walk? Yep. You want a treat? Yep. You want outside? Yep. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, Apparently, electriomancy was part of a deeply entrenched tradition among the Romans um, I guess the chicken was used for a lot of different divination. And because, oh, because the belief was that the animal is a soothsayer. So that's oh. why they think the chicken's got some special information.
1: Right. So for those who don't know, the word soothsayer is a psychic. Yeah. So we got or something that can be psychic. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so the chicken figured prominently in public policy since no major decision was made without using the animal in divination rites. So oh my God. we're not going to go fuck around making rules for the empire until we ask yeah. our soothsayer creature, the chicken, which is so funny because like in modern days, it's like chickens are fucking stupid. <laughs> like, you know, chickens are so, yeah, yeah. like nobody
1: respects a chicken. It's like, um, I just think, yeah, we have Groundhog Day. We still kind of do that a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. In, a, in its own way. And I'm using, because I was reading about that one too. I didn't choose it. Um but that there's like a lot of different animals that people will do that with. I almost looked up the spiders. Oh, dude, so I, I looked like, that up too. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I, I thought about there, it, but, but there was almost no information on it. I know. That's the other thing, you guys. When we were looking for this stuff, they, there was very few. I mean, there were no videos on YouTube about any of this, there were no articles anywhere. I had to buy a book from a person who didn't even print the book, it was just an e book. <laughs>
0: You know I didn't buy a book. I'm going on Old Faithful Wikipedia. I know. Yeah, they're, yeah. Like, some of them had a shitload of information. Like, I'll talk about necromancy towards the end here. Oh, yeah. Which is just, like, an enormous amount of information, and I'm not going to talk about all of it. But mm. And then I did end up finding a video that was, like, the crazy history of necromancy, and I didn't watch that. Because um, I mm. only found it when I had, like, five minutes before this call. But... Um, but yeah, some of them, there's a lot. Most of them, there's really no information, but the spider one was interesting. It's like either the pattern of their web or like the pattern that they're moving in. And then, yeah, that's that's right. I have heard of that
1: now that you bring that up. Yeah, Yeah, that's totally. And then when I was looking up, I tried to find moral mancy, which is like by watching idiots. So you like watch idiots to see. But um, there was nothing out there except the definition of moromancy. But it was also defined in different ways. So I just let it go. I couldn't mm-hmm. find anything on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So It's disappointing. Anyway. You know,
0: probably so many ancient yeah. texts that we've lost. This is part of the ancient yeah. wisdom that we have lost over the ages. Uh, right. You know. How-, how
1: do you watch an idiot and learn your divine insights? How do we know
0: who... <laughs> is enough of an idiot to be used as a tool of divination you know to what degree (laughs) what kind of idiot do you have to be because I think that word you know meant something different in the old days
1: yeah I know right True. What the heck? Anyway, you're yeah, like I'm you just gonna watch fun.
0: my neighbor because that guy's a fucking idiot. <laughs> Let's see what I can learn. <laughs> it's it's you know personal preference, right? Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> and really, it's just you know like oh well the I guess I'm learning that I don't want to go outside and run into that fucking idiot. So I'm gonna the the message is some good stay divine inside. intuition there. <laughs> yeah. Close your curtains so he doesn't know your home. I love just it. Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, a couple more things about electric. Romancy. so aside from those ways that I mentioned uh you know using the rooster or using the chicken to you know get divine uh what messages it can also be used to divine the future with diviners that are read are trained to read the meanings in the bird's organs feather skin flesh and bone so I'm like, do you just rip apart a chicken and you look at like what the liver looks like, what the heart looks like, how's the blood doing, like what's the skin up Crazy. to, you know? And then like what? Wow. Like w- like also, I just imagine that this is like when there wasn't a lot of written information, you know, it was like probably a lot mm-hmm. more of like oral teachings, and so I'm like, yeah. like literally, how do you learn? How to rip a bird yeah. apart and get information out of it. Yeah. That's very strange. We probably strange. had like very specific
1: things too that we would never know.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, um, the Roman chicken divination rituals were complex and conducted with mm. an extraordinary level of organization unparalleled among the ancient civilizations that shared the same practice, which, of course, we just talked about. The Romans loved them some chickens. So they were like, you know, probably. It's funny to think about like people coming up with all these rituals because it's like, well, this the chicken knows the chicken's a soothsayer. So let's add this step and this step yeah. and this step and this step. And I think that all <laughs> these things, it reminds me of like, um like, superstitious things that people do when they watch sports games, and then they're like, oh, my God, well, I did this one thing, and so this is the secret. And then it's, like, becomes, like, layers right. and layers over the years of, like, watching games and having these things happen. And so I'm like, is that, like, right. part of how these chicken rituals were created? <laughs> um,
1: it was just the predecessor to extreme sport fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, yeah, this is, like, how it was just uh, passed oh down epigenetically. Like, just... <laughs> If anything happens the way that you want it to because you did this one random thing, that thing is important. Um there you which go. hey, it's whatever you believe, right? That's sure. really where that's really where the power is. Um Yeah. Okay, let me see if there's something else in here because I feel like there was. Oh, a rare and obsolete meaning of electriomancy is a divination by a cockstone. And so a cockstone is um like in the rooster's crop which is like where food goes when they eat it there's a stone mm. in there that helps them like break the food down um before wow. it, well i'm just learning all kinds of things i had to look it up because i was like <laughs> what is a rooster's crop and then i'm like oh i've heard of this it's also called the cox right. gem um oh. but they were you know the romans thought that it had magical powers and so they would. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they would use this like cockstone. Um, it says in some sort of lithomantic divination, but there's like no information about what those rituals were. Just that, like it. No joke. It was a thing that happened, and uh, lithomantic is just not comparable. That's all it means. Doesn't. Yeah. Ah, interesting. Yeah, that's crazy.
1: I yeah, I had no idea. Wow. All right. Well, you know, now I just want to be like all those homesteading ladies out there and get myself some chickens and roosters and honestly, I think start some
0: backyard Ouija. I think it would be pretty fun. <laughs> I know. Just imagine what you could learn. So I I looked a,
1: a few up here. I'm gonna start with bone throwing and or charm throwing because over time bones have not they're not as common I mean I, I guess if you're breaking down chickens all the time you're buying a whole chicken from the grocery store maybe bone throwing would be a little bit more you know your your style but um people do uh tend to do charm throwing and call it bone throwing but they are technically two different things so um I'm, I did like a little uh, a little essay here I'll just read what I wrote oh. <laughs> wanted to be prepared i love that so (laughs) so i uh, i wrote bone and charm throwing are similar to rune casting but perhaps a little bit more of a personal experience um so if you know what runes are they are the druidian stones with the little druid symbols in them i had to look that that up you throw them yeah and i have runes i don't use them that much mostly because i like tarot um, but yeah, runes are cool. So, um, bone throwing has somewhat morphed into charm throwing, as I was saying. It's not related to scapulomancy which uses only the scapula of an animal after it's been eaten as far as i read you might have something to say about that yeah we're going to go
0: deeper into that a
1: lot of charm throwers call their work bone throwing and will put bone or other natural things like claw teeth or chicken and rabbit's feet like you know like a little dried up like preserved Mm -hmm. foot of an animal to make a more authentic set of quote-unquote bones though charm throwing Technically, it's just charms. It's not, there are no bones and you would just use specific charms. So each charm or bone is carefully chosen by the diviner over time. So you don't go out and buy a bone set. You don't go out and buy a charm set. It's something that you hand pick for yourself over time. And uh, eventually, it's recommended to get up to about 13 pieces. Um, so that you can have a a good number of charms to throw, but not too many, because it can be kind of ex- uh you know confusing if you have too convoluted. many. So yeah, exactly. Um, and also you're the one who decides what each of these charms or bones represents. So um, as a Wiccan, you would write. Each one in your book of shadows, which is like your little witch notebook, you write it in there what it means, how it how it lays, what it means when it lays a certain way. So some examples I found were um, a rubber band. You can have a rubber band, and that it could mean flexibility or need to change, or you know to to see um, the flexibility in a situation. And a rubber band could also land in a circle around another charm. So it could tell you, like, you know, you need to be flexible around this other idea or something like that. Um, Someone had added a small conch shell that represents the feminine because it looks like a little yoni, you know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, There's also a key. Someone had, like, a little key charm that represent locked or unlocked energy. So she said that if if the key was facing away from her, it was unlocking something. But if it was facing towards her, then she was locked and she needed to... Consider what that would mean. Interesting. Um, another one was someone had a Turkish evil eye bead, which represents sight or seeing the situation, which, of course, is not the traditional meaning of that symbol. So, um, you know, you choose the, the meaning. Uh, and then another one she had was a bolt, which represented like getting to work or the nuts and bolts of an issue. Oh. So you can you can really do anything. A lot of people use, um, you know, uh, gemstones. It just depends on what you see what's meaningful to you if someone gives you like a little gift that has like you know it's like that charm quality um so if you are trying to throw charms or bones generally it was always done um just on the ground or you know on a soft surface because they can like go bouncing around Mm but um you don't use any kind of uh you know mat or board or something to tell you what it means you just let it fall and you see how those items relate to each other but Mm. more recently people have started making throwing cloths so there's like lots of different kinds there's like a past present future there's like a bullseye style that like the things that are more in the middle are more important the things that are on the outside are less important so there's like lots of different styles of throwing cloths and you can look at etsy and look up charm throwing cloths you'll see a lot of different kinds and um, it's recommended to do it on soft surface, again, uh, set with about 13 pieces um, so that you can draw a story from the charms, but not get messy or confusing throws. So charm throwing may specifically refer to those who use charm sets that are all just jewelry charms that you would put on a bracelet
0: or a necklace. That's what I've been thinking about this whole time. Like, it's like, it sounds yeah, so, I'm yeah. like, is this where like a charm bracelet like, is this, like, part of the origin of, like, a charm bracelet? And then Perhaps. also... Uh, yeah. It makes me think about, like, wouldn't it be funny, like, if you have your charms that you've chosen and you have your bolt and your rubber band and, you know, your whatever the fuck other shit that you mentioned, but then you have mm-hmm. these little... Like, you have the actual ones, but then you get these little charms made. And so you got this bracelet that's got a bolt and it's got a rubber band. And it's like, (laughs) like, that just sounds so funny to me. Like, this is my rubber band and it represents flexibility, (laughs) you know?
1: Right. Yeah. And so uh, I I even would follow someone on Instagram who was like a seller of uh, witchy kind of things. And so with a certain size purchase, she would do a scoop from her charm bucket. And it was like she had this big thing of just like all these charms and she'd give you a scoop out of it and so that was for charm throwing and I remember I was following and I was like why would she just throw all that junk into an order like I wouldn't want that like I didn't get what
0: it was yeah
1: (laughs) after doing this I'm like oh it's for divination it's actually she's giving you a set of charms for free if you make a certain size of a purchase anyway it's also so funny though because like the
0: word charm like I think like something special and it's like obviously it becomes special to whoever chooses the charms but then it does look like potentially a pile of garbage like it looks like like your kitchen (laughs) um like your junk drawer drawer. (laughs) it's just straight up like a little collection of shit from your junk drawer right like which is just really funny to me
1: I know and I think yeah you can make it more special depending on what you add in there or it's it's really yeah whatever it means to you so some people will choose to just use charms because they can actually look like a thing like an animal or a person or an object where bone throwing is more like this is an item that's that represents something else Mm -hmm. so charm throwing is usually more direct and bone throwing is more you know um what's the word i'm looking for uh up, Up to, to interpretation, interpretation oh, by the diviner. Right. Get out of my head. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Then um what else do I have here? Oh, yes. In order to cast your charms, it's the same thing as any kind of divination. You hold your charms in your hand. You think about your question. You set your intention. And then you, with a little bit of zest, I guess, or fervor, You would throw those charms, you know, you don't you don't just drop them or else they might not really move around that much. Put some zest into it. Yeah. You got to put a little bit of, you know, where is your
0: fervor? A
1: little Uh (laughs) little gusto. Uh (laughs) So then, uh, then to read the casting. It's suggested that you'd really take your time. They say that this is not a beginner's form of div- divination yeah, no, because there's shit. no Seems hard. guidebook to this. <laughs> you really have to figure it out on your own. And some people even suggest taking a photo of it and really like taking it in over time. So it's not um, it's not the easiest way to read. But um, the, uh, other people do say as well that you should journal about what you're seeing because um, then you can really kind of think about it in a more organized way Mm -hmm. and figure out what it's trying to tell you so uh that's that you guys that's charm throwing slash bone throwing
0: very fascinating very fascinating yeah, that seems really fucking hard. Oh yeah,
1: and I've got links in the b- below for. There's a, a lady who will tell you
0: how and
1: why and help you set up your charms and all that stuff. So I love how a, um, a video if you want to get started. I
0: love how the things that I feel like you're going to share are things that people could try and that it's like <laughs> that's kind of what I went for. Um, <laughs> and mine is like let's talk about weird shit people used to do. Like like I, I'm I like it. not <laughs> about to teach you how to use the chicken. I mean go you. <laughs> you could go try it out you could try yeah
1: <laughs> if you got chicken you got
0: no I you have no idea it's all like literally up to interpretation about what I mean you could look so it up good. also but I'm not teaching you how to do shit I'm just telling you some stuff <laughs> <laughs> um oh, the next one that I'm gonna share and this kept coming up because I just kept clicking down the list and so I was like okay fuck it let's go with a category we're gonna still go back and forth but I will cover the seven forbidden arts And obviously these are forbidden because, you know, Catholicism and religion and control (laughs) because, you know, we can't let the people have a tool to have connection to God and, you know... uh, have their own divine messages and so you're not allowed to use any of these things needs to come through the church needs to come yeah. through the guy
1: that was designated to be god's mouth exactly,
0: exactly. so <laughs> so the first one that i'll cover is called aromancy and this is a uh, divination conducted by interpreting atmospheric conditions and there's several types of, i almost
1: looked this one up too yeah yeah <laughs>
0: Well, it was funny because, like, I made a list of, like, the ones that I wanted to look up, and then I had to go back to your list that you had sent me, and I was like, damn it. <laughs> like, she's doing these. Of course she's doing these. And, like, <laughs> you told it to me first, so those are yours. So I got to go figure <laughs> out whatever the fuck else sounds interesting. Um, but I thought, I thought that this one was interesting. Um, and basically there's uh, – okay, so there's a few types. There's ostromancy, which is divination by observing the wind. Animoscopy is ostromancy in which the wind direction and intensity is interpreted. Whereas nephomancy is divination by the interpretation of the movement of the clouds. Mm. So you can get real granular with this shit. And, uh, you know, like, which direction is it going? And how intense is it? And this actually reminds me of uh, earlier in the episode, Elena was talking about how she was telling me about, you know, barometric pressure and how in ireland it's like oh it's a it's a close day or whatever and before we started recording she also was telling me how in the netherlands people will blame the wind so it's like in ireland they're like oh it's the clouds and the pressure it's a close day and people in the netherlands are like oh it's the fucking wind like so this (laughs) feels very related to that in a way um Mm -hmm. and i'm curious if it was ever used there but i don't have the answer to that um Then there's also serenoscopy, which is divination by the interpretation of thunder and lightning. Um, Nice. And then also, like, later in this Wikipedia article, it said nephomancy or cometomancy. So I guess nephomancy could be a couple different things, like not just the the movement of the clouds, but it can also be Mm. divination by the appearance of comet tails, which I guess is kind of the movement of clouds, but it's not really a cloud. You know, it's a comet tail. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, it'd be harder to see yeah and then there's it's like you really have to be ready for that one <laughs> yeah
0: yeah you like you you really fucking do you have to like yeah. imagine i just imagine these like ancient people you know just like at in their observatories like staring up at the sky and being like oh yes oh this means this <laughs> right and then they're working with the astrologers <laughs> who are like and also this and they're like oh This guy says so much Right. like also
1: they had no distractions. They had no technology. They had no screen. They had had no no, light pollution. They had nothing to do. They were just sitting out looking for something to do. They were (laughs) just out
0: here trying to learn and connect to God. So no wonder they were so into this shit. Now we have Instagram, which is our God. I'm just joking. Um, (laughs) Okay. There's also um, Meteoro Meteor Mancy. Meteor Mancy. These words are hard. Um, divination by meteors and shooting stars. Um, there's okay, this one. I mean, not as if I've really known how to pronounce any of these words, but Chaomancy? Chowmancy? I don't know. Divination by aerial visions as either naturally occurring mirages or supernatural apparitions, such as specters. And for all the people out there like me, specters are ghosts. I had to look it up. Didn't know that before. <laughs> But you're in good company because, you know, I don't know special (laughs) words for simple things. Um, Okay. So basically, like, for all of history, people have been interested in the weather. You know, we're all, like, affected by the weather. And so they saw it as this medium. Also, like, if you think about, you know, mythology, like Greek mythology, You know, there's these, like, the gods of thunder and and all these different things. And so they saw the weather as this medium by which the gods would express both joy and anger towards people who worshipped them. And so, like, of course, aromancy is one of the oldest forms of divination because it's, like, really, Mm -hmm. like, a direct way for them to connect with their deities. Um, And the Etruscans and Babylonians in particular have found the signs in the sky to be of great interest in practice forms of... (laughs) fucking chaomancy I hate that word and serenoscopy (laughs) which again you know the divination by aerial visions and um, thunder and lightning which that seems so interesting to me and I'm also curious like in those parts of the world like how often does thunder and lightning happen you know it doesn't happen that often here and when it does it's like very exciting and I love it and I just love to experience it And I think it's also because it doesn't happen that I'm like, yeah, right on. Yeah.
1: (laughs) But I'm just curious. Yeah, definitely more common in different places. Like we get a lot of lightning in Monterey. We don't get any thunder. Really? And then, yeah, because we live on the bay. We get weird ocean weather that like you just don't understand. It's like
0: the bay uh, makes it weird. Yeah, in
1: the in the morning, like if you're up at like like the crack of dawn, you'll see lightning. It's it's really weird. Yeah, like purple
0: flashes.
1: You don't. You never see like a crack of lightning. You just see like it's almost like it's just in the cloud. Well, it must it's be like just lightning.
0: like farther away or something. Yeah, I don't know. Especially if you're not I hearing mean, um, any thunder, right? Doesn't thunder have to yeah, happen with yeah,
1: lightning? yeah. Uh, yeah, it's not really. I've never heard thunder in Monterey, but I've seen a lot of lightning. It's really weird, especially when I worked a job where I had to be up at sunrise. Like, I would see lightning all the time. But it wasn't like you'd see, like, a flash of lightning. You would just see the purple in the clouds. It was really weird. And then uh, in New York, every time I go to New York, I always go in the summer. It's always full of thunder and lightning. Yeah. 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 My my parents
0: live on the East Coast now. And, Mm -hmm. like, I, you know, I have their their location on my weather thing because I just i don't know i really love to check the weather Let's see what they're up to. i just yeah. i love to check the weather where i am even though i could look outside i like to check the weather what does it say <laughs> um and so i like to check their weather you know see like what they're what what the vibe is and um yeah. it fucking there's thunder and lightning all the time those summer storms i'm like do i actually yeah. kind of want to live on the east coast and then i'm like no it's pretty cool it's pretty cool but I kind of maybe i don't know we have fun
1: when we visit i do
0: maybe yeah um so I found this interesting little note in here that with Christianity, an act of Aromancy might be thought of as the phenomena of the star over Bethlehem when Christ was born.
1: Ooh. Oh, oh. Um, hmm.
0: You know, because they're kind of like using the sky to divine something right. and they're following that, which like, that could that also be astrology? Because by the way, astrology is totally a, a form of divination using celestial bodies. So,
1: yeah, you know, same, huge. same.
0: And that's what this one thing... Um, <sighs> Some fucking guy, Francois Latour Blanche. Look at me, I can speak French. (laughs) You did a
1: good job. Thank you.
0: It's so easy. Uh (laughs) stated that aromancy is the art of fortune telling by specters, again ghosts, which are made to appear in the air or the representation by the aid of demons, which are projected on the clouds, as if by a magic lantern. As for the thunder and lightning, he added, these are concerned with the auguries and the aspect of the sky, and the planets belong to the science of astrology. So thunder and lightning is, you know, it's sky tech. and It's not celestial tech. It's mm-hmm. pretty much what I got from that. Um, cool. And that is aromancy. I mean, there's a lot of aromancy in myth. Like if you, you know, there's like the god of fire, the goddess of the sky, the Egyptian god of wind, and, you know... So there's a lot of aromancy, but it's just like it's really interesting learning about these things and being like, this is not um, completely un- yeah, unknown to me. No, yeah, I feel like it. Yeah, same, totally.
1: I love it. And by
0: the way, an augury is a sign of what will happen in the future. It's basically an omen.
1: Oh. Oh, see now I I so heard that thunder, word and I thought, is it yeah. like a mining site where people are like using augers? <laughs> it's such a weird.
0: I mean, that's that's like that. I understand why your brain went there. And so, basically, <laughs> thunder and lightning are just omens. Ah, yeah. Well,
1: I think a lot of people feel that way, right? It's like yeah. whenever it's like a, it's like <laughs> right? the, from, uh Frau Blucher, right? From what's that? Young Frankenstein. Whenever they say Frau oh. Blucher, there's the horse yeah, and there's yes, like thunder yes, and lightning. Yes. yes, yes. <laughs> oh my <fucking> god. Anyway.
0: <laughs>
1: yes. Yeah. So we'll go to scrying next. Um, which, of course, there's scrying is reflective gazing, so there's a lot of different ways you can do it, but most people know it as crystal ball gazing. And I won't lie, when I was a teen, I went to a little shop and got myself a crystal ball, which I then ended up gifting to my friend Jessie, and I didn't even remember, and then I was visiting her in France, and I saw my crystal ball in her house, and I was like, why do you have that? She was like, you gave it to me. I was like, Oh. (laughs) <laughs> totally forgot. So I don't have it anymore. But, um, you know, so basically you could do this with like a blacked out mirror or like, you know, in a dark room with a mirror that you can't see the reflection of. People, yeah, you know, like Bloody reflective Mary, gazing. you know, Bloody Mary is reflective gazing. That's right. But a lot of people, Terrifying. you know, that that's the, the spooky way to do it. So women, I think the original version of Bloody Mary was actually women would go into a dark room and do some kind of like repetitive kind of spell casting thing like how you do the bloody mary thing but Get you would spooky. see a glimpse of your future husband so you'd like see people but it was it was more like a, a future telling kind of you're gonna see what your future husband looks not like not a spooky witch so, who's gonna pull you into exactly.
0: your exactly right mm. right also, well bloody
1: mary was she was supposed to be a, a royal person Was she was like queen right from one or other yeah I yeah wasn't she that. the you one who I mean. got her no, that was Marie. Head cut know. off by right. That's what I was. She thinking. well, I think she did get killed by King Louis or something. Oh. She he, she was one of the fourteen people killed by him or something. I this also know. reminds me of Mirror Mirror on the wall. Oh yeah, exactly right. So this is a really common yeah, the, crystal balls, super sensationalized talking into mirrors. Very sensationalized. Also, uh, looking into water, which you're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Hydromancy. Yeah, right? I'm talking so about that, that next. Yeah, there you go. And so I'll let you get into that. But it's like I always think of like narcissists, right? So like looking into water and seeing the reflection and having some kind of thing happen. So that's, that's a thing. So um, I did get into crystal balls when I was a teen. And um, I did do some scrying with some friends of mine. And I feel like I had some kind of connection to it but again I it's been years since I ever tried it but um, it is a more of a meditative form of divination it is again more of an intermediate form of divination it's not really recommended for beginners and again I have videos down below in the show notes if you want to get into scrying or crystal balls. Um, There are some guided meditations you can do that lead you through the process of looking into a crystal ball. So that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's it's always uh, recommended for beginners to use small crystal balls because they are expensive. Um, Some people use gemstones, too. Like I have a lapis lazuli gemstone or um, there's there's lots of different. You could use just like rose quartz or whatever. You can use a spherical gemstone or you could use a glass sphere so because um, you're not actually, it's not about the ball itself. It's more about your eyes fixing on something that has sacred purpose and then getting something from that. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk about that. Um, so mindset is the most important uh, thing about this divination style is it's a deeply intuitive process. And when you're actively working with a crystal ball, you're training yourself to go in and out of a meditative state at will. So um It's recommended to meditate before you begin scrying and then do it in the same space as your crystal ball so you can come out of your meditation right into the ball. And then after you're done with that, you go back to meditating and to come out of it, which again is like the shaman journey. Mm. So you journey in, you do the work, and then you journey back out. So it's the same idea. Um, So once uh, you open your eyes from your meditation, you start gazing into your crystal ball. You try to set a focal point to rest your eyes in the dead center of the crystal ball, not the surface of it. Um, Once your eyes are set on the focal point, you try your best to keep them there. You can let your eyes relax and even unfocus them a little bit. Um, But you're supposed to pay attention to the entire room. So it's uh, it's not that the ball is giving you answers. It's that you're just focusing on a divine object. And then the whole room comes to life around you. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And so you notice shadows, or maybe you have divine hearing. You might hear something. Um, you might get just an emotional flash or... Sounds you know, like the Claire's, doesn't it? a vision. It's all the Klairs. Yeah, it's, a, it's like you're just turning your Claire's on, exactly. Yep. So if you guys don't know that, go back to the Claire's episode. You'll know what we're talking about. So that's episode two? Yeah. I think it's episode I think. one. Oh, two yeah, yeah, three. two, two, two. Yeah. So, um... Then it says here the crystal ball work is very intuitive and slow to start because it's like uh, it's your intuition muscle. You have to go in there and work on it. Um, So they do say that if you're a beginner, you should just do short bursts because it can be very tiring. It totally takes it out of you to do this kind of thing. It's a lot of focus. Um, it is intermediate and it can be frustrating because the scryer or crystal ball diviner may expect for something to actively happen in front of them, like how we see them being used in in Hollywood films. yeah, Right. But that's not the case. You're turning into your subconscious and your intuition to better understand the energies that are around you and whatever reveals itself to you will do so in time. So sometimes you'll have an experience when you're using a crystal ball that you don't make sense of. And then later on, it'll make sense. So that's, um, you know, <laughs> did I tell you about my art gallery dream? No. No. Oh, OK. So I had a dream that I, I work in a music studio. And across the street from my music studio, there was this empty space. And I'm like kind of on the fence, like, oh, if, if a really good space opens up where I can have a baby grand piano, I want to move my music studio to where I can have a baby grand piano. And I was like, oh, that space across the street could work. And I was just kind of in the back of my mind. And then I had a dream that that space was like an art gallery with a chandelier in it and like all this stuff. And then I was doing like music in there with this art Mm. and these shows. And it was nighttime and it was all lit up. And I thought to myself when I woke up, well, that's stupid. I don't want to have an art gallery. Like, I I don't want that. Like, why did I dream that? And then like maybe a month later, I walk out the door of my music studio and that place is turned into an art gallery. Look at you. <laughs> I know. I texted Ron. I was like, ah! I remember that dream I had. I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> just being over was, here, over yeah. here being psychic. So there you go. It's like, you know, sometimes some, something will come to you. You won't make sense of it. And then it makes sense later. I think my intuition was just winking at me. I don't know. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> so that's crystal ball work. Check the notes below if you want to pick out a ball, learn a little bit about it. There's some there's a guided meditation down there if you want to start scrying.
0: Uh yeah, check it out, guys. All right, Taylor. Yeah, that uh so funny. I like. I just kept having that picture in my mind from um the Wizard of Oz when she's like oh. in the like the 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 gypsies like right traveling circus cart or whatever in the beginning of the movie. Yeah, yeah. and like and you and white. see this huge crystal ball and like the visions are in the crystal ball and whatever and yeah, yeah yeah it's yeah. Tr- it's like when you said like oh no you like open up to see the whole room I'm like well this is absolutely not what I have seen uh um, exactly yeah and
1: when I was a teen of course I tried to see things in the ball I didn't I didn't realize it's it's just to give yourself something to focus on mm. so it's supposed to almost be like a like, like closing your eyes, but without closing them. So mm-hmm. it's just giving you a place to focus so that you can actually tune into everything around you without overly focusing mm-hmm. on it. Or like when you see stars in the sky, you know you're not supposed to look directly at them. No. Yeah, okay. So I took an astronomy class, and it's really cool. So uh, when we were looking at the stars and we had to chart the stars, um, sometimes it was easier to look to the left or to the right of the star because you're, the direct line of your eyes um, because we're, you know, we can't be blinded by harsh light. Mm. So when you're looking at something directly, it actually has your eyes protect the full amount of light spectrum mm. from coming directly into the eye. Mm-hmm. So if you look to the side, you see it more clearly. Um, so when you're you, when you're looking at a weak light up from a star, sometimes you can't see it if you look directly at it. But then you look to the side and you'll see it more clearly. I've definitely noticed so, that um, where it's like you try to yeah. look at it and it like disappears almost right yeah, yeah yeah so it just look to the side and you'll see it so that's cuz your your eyes don't want to be damaged so that, that's why your eyes are smart mm-hmm.
0: they're just doing smart yeah. evolutionary <laughs> shit for you good job eyes yeah. real MVP <laughs> nice um yeah that's fascinating um mm-hmm. okay so now we're going to talk about hydromancy hydromancy <laughs> nice. it's a method of divination by means of water including the color ebb and flow or ripples produced by pebbles dropped in a pool. And um, there's several methods of hydromancy. Um, The first method uh, depicts like a ring hanging by a string that's dipped into a vessel of water, which has been shaken and um, a judgment or prediction is made by the number of times uh, the, the number of times which the ring strikes the sides of the vessel. So I don't know how you're supposed to get information out of that, but maybe it's got numerology something to do with numbers. Yeah, maybe that's what I was yeah. just thinking. Oh, um, yeah. Which numerology is also a type of divination. Totally. Uh, we're not going to get into that. Was it part of so
1: the much charm much. throwing that I should have said too. You can put dice into your charms mm-hmm. to use numbers in your charm throwing. Mm-hmm. But anyway, continue. yeah,
0: yeah. Literally, what do you want to use this thing to divine? You probably can. Um, (laughs) Okay. A second method is when three pebbles are thrown into standing water and observations are made from the circles formed when the objects strike the water.
1: Like ripple reading.
0: Yeah. Mm. But it's like you're creating multiple ripples and then that creates a particular pattern. And so then that's the pattern. But it also Mm. seems tricky. It's like you'd really have to like have good eyes and be able to see it and then be able to remember what you saw. Yeah.
1: Have you ever... This is maybe just me, but have you ever tried to like drag incense through the air to see it write words?
0: No. Uh
1: that's like that sounds like that to me. Sounds like, like a form of divination to... to
0: me. Sounds like a form of yeah, pyromancy because I... you're lighting it on fire.
1: There you go. Right. When I I think I read it in some witch book at some point, but if you light you a piece of did. incense and you just <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you just no drag doubt. it, it starts to write, it will write words out in cursive. And you don't always see Oh, you're a just word looking at sometimes. the smoke? Yeah. Yeah, oh. yeah. So like, you just drag the you drag the incense across in front of you, and it'll it'll write words out. Yeah, wow. as, as long as you're casting the intention and you're not just doing it playfully. Yeah, it'll it totally works. When I was a kid, I used
0: to do that all the time. Of course, you did. <laughs> no <laughs> anyway, surprise sorry. there. That's
1: fascinating.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, I have incense, and I might
1: do it. Do it. It's really fun. Might... It's actually it's a very active practice it's hard to
0: not see words you, you'll see them it's easy that's yeah. so interesting i'm gonna do that i'm gonna totally. do that i'll report back okay um the third method it depends on the agitation of the water and um so basically like you know you agitate the water apparently this is prevalent among oriental christians um, mm. of annually baptizing that... What are the fuck? Like, what does this sentence mean? The third method described depended upon the agitation of the water. This custom was prevalent among Oriental Christians of annually baptizing that element.
1: That's not a good sentence. It's a bad but sentence. But yeah, it's. Um, so, I guess, wait, what are you, where are we baptizing people? You, 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 the, that um,
0: element? Water? You're going to baptize no. water? Like... <laughs> Water is a, a tool to use for baptizing, so I, I, I don't, don't know. know, but you agitate <laughs> the water and then you see a pattern and then Oriental Christians liked this and maybe they would, maybe they would use, maybe they would agitate the water and divine whatever the message was and then use this water for baptizing. Maybe it's like part of, part to of, to baptize um, via the message kind of, uh, yeah, blessing it, maybe. Potentially, yeah. you know, like getting a message Using for, divine, for whoever blesses the water. Yeah. Whoever is yeah. like being baptized. It's like, here's your divine message from God or whatever. It's our interpretation mm-hmm. of that horrific sentence. Um, <laughs> thanks, Wikipedia. Hey, we trying, guys. God. We're just looking it up for you. <laughs> I wish Wikipedia was better, but it is what we it Google, is. We Google, so you don't have to. <laughs> right. And that doesn't mean that the information is right or good. <laughs> Our bad, uh, yeah. just kidding, I it's the it. internet's bad. Okay, um, a fourth met- method um, uses colors of the water and figures appearing in it. Um, mm-hmm. So some person named Varro stated that many prognostications were made in this way concerning the mythodratic war, which I didn't look up. It's got a link here, but... No idea. Awesome. It sounds like it, it sounds like there was a war, and then they used this as a divining tool to see what was going to happen, um but apparently like this branch of divination uh was so important that it was given a separate name and oh. and then uh then there was like the divination of fountains whose waters were frequently visited so like because of this method of like looking into the water to see like the colors in the water and to see the figures of the water then they were like okay we're going to create special fountains so that people can go to the water in the 2nd century AD there was a fountain near a place called Epidarus uh, dedicated to Eno I don't know what any of this is um, in which into which loaves of bread were thrown by worshipers hoping to receive an oracle from the goddess It sounds like a damn mess <laughs> yes if the loaves were accepted they sank in the water which meant good fortune but if they were washed up from the fountain it meant bad luck and uh, and we're just about to get into exactly what you're thinking. Um, a custom of ancient Germanic tribes was to throw newborn children into the Rhine. Um, it was thought if the no. child was spurious, basically like if the child was I've shit, heard of this. he would drown. Um, I've heard of but this. But if he was legitimate, yeah. he would swim. And, and then, of course, this custom <laughs> appears to be a precursor to the 17th century custom of swimming, which is... Potentially related yeah, to yeah, the anglo yeah, yeah, saxon yeah. law of trial by water.
1: Oh, yeah. Which if you have seen Monty Python, there's a little bit of that.
0: <laughs> Very small rocks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Awesome. Um, there's a few more methods of hydromancy. So a fifth method of hydromancy is... Um, In this fifth method, mysterious words are pronounced over a glass of water and then observations are made of its spontaneous ebulence, which feels like they didn't choose the right word because I looked up ebulence and it, um, it doesn't mean like. Well, ebb and flow, so is it like the ebbing
1: of the water what i would think is turbulence, like like the air it's like ebulence for the water so what
0: ebulence means is the quality of being cheerful and full of energy so maybe it's like you speak into the you speak into the water and then it's like you just see like what the frequency of the words that you're saying like how that create like what that energy does to the water like maybe the shape like what i'm thinking is like uh you know it's like you're reading a pattern in the water that's created mm-hmm. by the frequency of the words yeah. that you're saying and so ebulence maybe they just mean energy but this just sounds like someone who thinks that they're smart wrote a wikipedia <laughs> article and used bad words just didn't yeah. they didn't write it good <laughs> um but that's my interpretation of that yeah. particular form of hydromancy That's
1: weird that's cool <laughs>
0: um this in the sixth method a drop of oil and this is similar to what you were talking about a drop of oil was let uh basically dropped into a vessel of water and then this created a mirror through which wondrous things became visible uh so you kind of create your own mirror not only with the reflection of the water but then you have this added reflective quality of the oil in the water uh yeah so then you can kind of do the you know mirror scrying um, and mm-hmm. then the final method, uh, bah, 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 basically involves um women of Germany watch the whirls and courses of rivers to in like to basically divine messages. Um, wow, yeah.
1: using nature. Yeah, just looking in at how water. that water's moving. Yeah, that's, what's okay. it doing? What is it saying? Sure.
0: Which just makes me think about, like, you yeah. know, like, the gods of rivers and water and fairies and yeah. all that shit.
1: Yeah, right. Little undines and all that stuff. All the undines. Right.
0: Yes. Yeah, very exactly. cute. Little water nymphs. Those little water nymphs. Nice. <laughs>
1: That's hydromancy. So, I have um one more that I did, like, a big dive on, but I'll just, like, talk briefly about the ones I use all the time. Yes. Um. So, I, ta- I spoke in a previous episode about how I like to use a random image generator and in the show notes I put a link to the one that I use it's literally just random image generator. And so it's like stock images, right? It's just like literally those really over photoshopped crazy like images that you just find on the internet that are like super high def yes. that you know, it's a random image generator with like copyright free images. So um a lot of times they're very dramatic images. Like that's the weirdest thing about these these non-copyrighted, uh, just crazy images that are on the internet for people to use on their videos or their websites or whatever, is that they're usually extremely dramatic. So um, lots of vivid colors or like, if if you're like, if one is like a, like, you'll see like a broken piano, like in a forest with like paint spilled on it or something. It's God. just like really over the top kind of images, which is great for Um, You know, if you want to try and get some meaning out of something, if it's really that dramatic, you're going to find it. So, um, yeah, so I do kind of the same thing I do with, you know, tarot cards. I sit there. I kind of like put my hands on my if it's my phone or my laptop or whatever. I put my hands on it and I'm and I kind of think about the thing that I want to know. And sometimes it's like, you know, how is the situation going to go? It's it's a storyboard style of divination and then you just click generate and you go one after the next after the next after the next and it'll just start to show you this whole picture of what's happening and the first time i did this it was because of um this you know falling out of a business partner that Mm -hmm. you know all about taylor but um they took our business from us and i was so just like I wanted them to fail, obviously. But we built a business that was never gonna fail. In fact, it's in its third ownership now. She doesn't even have it anymore, and it's still very successful because we built wow. a great business. But I, I was like feeling salty and gross, yep. and I was like, I'm so mad. I want to know what's happening over there, and I want to know like what the path is gonna be. And um, that's probably not the best intention. I will admit, but it started showing me like all of these images. That totally related to the personality of the person that I was mad at. Mm. So, whether or not it told me a story, it did show me the internal workings of this person. And it just kind of fleshed it out for me in a way that made me feel more like, oh, yeah, no, they are this kind of like angry, vicious person. And these images are confirming that for me at the very least. So, and then I've done it in a more, you know, righteous way since (laughs) that was that was a moment of weakness that got me into using an image generator but um another thing I'll do is I like to flip a coin but I hate actually like flipping a real coin because then it just flies somewhere I'm not good at catching the coin after I flip it I'm (laughs) very clumsy so I have a free app and I'll link it below (laughs) but um The way that I get this app to work is I will close my eyes and think about the question and flip, 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 flip. So I do it a bunch. I tap that coin over and over and over and over and over and then really focus on my question. And then I'll stop flipping and I'll look at the screen to see if it's green or red. Green meaning yes and red meaning no. And so I just use this app to give me a a quick yes or no. Fascinating. And um, yeah. And of course, pendulums. I use pendulums all the time. Um, because in Healing Touch, that's how we read the energies of a person that we're going to work on to see if energy is flowing or if it's compromised or, you know, something's going on there. So uh, there's also, um, what are they? like? They're like uh, boards or charts that you can put your pendulum over and it'll swing to a part of the chart. You can use a pendulum on a Ouija board, so it'll swing to the letters. Um, pendulums, uh, I was telling Taylor there are books Where if you have a symptom, like you have an upset stomach, and you open the book and you say, I have an upset stomach, and it's just like a wheel of numbers, and it'll just like go to number 12. And so then you look up what 12 is, and then you go to that part of the book, and then you do another reading, and it tells you more information. So it's like you have no idea what 12 means, but then all of a sudden it's like the answer to why you have an upset stomach. Fascinating. (laughs) It's really cool. So I'll put all the links to my pendulum stuff so so pendulums of course you know it's a usually like a little uh just a chain with like a, a something on the bottom of it like a pointed gemstone or some sometimes they're made out of balsa wood uh those ones work really well actually i like the balsa wood ones people just use necklaces when you're first starting out in healing touch and they don't have a bunch of pendulums to give people that don't have them they just tie lifesavers to a piece of uh uh dental floss oh my so God. it like literally yeah like anything can work so it's not it's it's not you don't have to have it's a pendulum.
0: It's not the pendulum.
1: tool. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's not the quality but of anyway. the tool.
1: Yeah. So those are my little quick ones that I was like, I do these all the time. I should just talk about them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I remember having a, a pendulum when I was a kid. Oh, and... You got me
1: into pen- – you and Steph got me into pendulums. Mm. I remember being like, what? Yeah. Like, I want one. <laughs> yeah.
0: And I feel I like
1: – Do you remember that, that uh, we were at, like, a double tree or an Embassy Suites or something for some kind of – conference with like horse people it was like a formal did you come to that i i did yeah oh god, and random. and it was like
0: um it was a radisson I know, and in like it was a radisson um, that's right in um yeah in, oh my god what's that fucking place called like fresno
1: that's right and so yeah i remember yeah. i had never had um like we went to carl's jr on the way up and mm. i had never had like the five dollar shake or whatever it was that they make they make something and that was the first thing that i i, I would never had that before
0: I was oh like, my wow. gosh there's so many new things happening on this trip this is insane <laughs> it's so funny
1: but that that trip you guys had your pendulum yeah and i that that's so that's why i remember that thing very clearly was because we were messing around with pendulums the whole time yeah yeah totally
0: <laughs> what a trip dude those things were that, anyway. that was like that's like a hotel where the rooms are all on the outside of the building and it's like, you know, it's like a high rise or whatever. And then it's just like, yeah. the almost like the courtyard in the middle. So it's like that's where they have like mm-hmm. the b- breakfast buffet and there's like a water feature mm-hmm. and whatever the fuck, you know, it, It's just, it feels totally. like a very like classic, like old school style hotel to me.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's like,
0: cool, now we're in this building, and nobody leave the building for however many days we're here. And it's almost like the kids yeah. just had free reign. You're just running around. Dude,
1: we had so much fun. Yeah, because there's, like, meetings like, this happening. <laughs> happening.
0: Yeah, and then there's, like, the formal event, and there's, like, the dance afterwards or whatever. But, like, in the midst of all of that, you know, there's nothing for 10-year-olds to do except Dude, fuck remember we went around. to the gym? We, like, went to the gym to work oh out. Oh, my God, we I 10. absolutely <laughs> remember doing that. I'm like, yeah, let's do some crunches. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah i'm we're gonna get so fit this weekend oh my god i remember being really sore like i remember like like because i didn't work out because i was a child and i just remember like yeah. it hurt to laugh and like yeah i was just so <laughs> sore after that oh man good times it's, like,
1: literally just a thing to do yeah
0: yeah. So funny. I can't yeah. I can't imagine totally. like now if you had a 10-year-old being like, "Yeah, man, I'll see you whenever." Like stay in the building. Dude,
1: 10-year-olds have iPads now. We had nothing. No. We watched the the live action Jungle Book. We played with pendulums. We did our hair and we tried to work out. We worked out end. for fun.
0: <laughs> Cuz yeah, we fun. were bored. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I think also happened is I think I like sat down on the uh treadmill and i flew off of it and i think i hit my no! tailbone on the floor i'm pretty sure i did that uh oh, at that trip. i don't remember oh yikes it wasn't oh, like gnarly. you know it wasn't like i got like, hurt i've hurt my tailbone worse than that but yeah, it wasn't good me too it wasn't good um yeah. all right well back to the pod uh so <laughs> the next one i'm going to talk about is scapulomancy which you mentioned a little bit, um, and so scapulomancy is the practice of divination by use of the scapula, which are the shoulder blades. And it's most light, widely practiced in China. And I don't know what the sinosphere is, um, but it's also mm. it's also like practiced in Africa. Like it's kind of basically everywhere. Like a lot, like mm. a lot of different cultures um, have like used this type of divination, and they all just kind of do it differently. But it was also hmm. independently developed in the West. So it's like, it's not because this oh. information was shared. It's like, just because it... It was its own thing. It was its own thing. Mm. It just, yeah, that was that's created. Crazy. So there, it, it has taken two major forms. First, there's the apyromantic. Um, and that's where the scapula of an animal uh, was examined after its slaughter. Um, mm. And this form was widespread in Europe and North, Af- like Northern Africa and the Near East. Mm-hmm. Um, And then the second form, pyromantic scapulomancy involved the heating or the burning of the bone and then interpretation of the results, um, like, after it was burned, was something that was more commonly practiced in East Asia and uh, North America. And Mm. so, like, this was something, um, like, there were uh, people in the, like, Quebec area of like north america quebec labrador peninsula um that like these people these were like you know native people and they would use it to aid in the hunting of caribou and um and so they would like basically there's a whole fucking thing that they would do but it was like a ritual that was performed by shamans and then like the hunting tribes people where they would um, that would help them in fo- focalizing on a dream where they were involved in hunting caribou. And then after they would awake from the dream state, the scapula was harvested from like a previous hunt and then they would burn it. So it would be like the pyromantic ritual of burning the scapula. And then that would direct them to like the location of where the herd of deer was in the dream that they had, like that they oh. envisioned. Nice. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, I guess it was only used when there was a shortage of food or a crisis, so it wasn't mm. something that they used oh, all the time. So but it's like, okay, we really mm. need to do this. We can't find anything. We really need. Right, to like help. let's tap into, uh, you know the 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 greater spirit or whatever, um, and and then they'd be able to find like the best spots to hunt caribou.
1: See, now I want to see like that show alone that's on Netflix where people are like. Have you watched in the it? <laughs> yeah, well, I've seen every episode. I want to see. I I only just got into Ugh. it, so I'm like on episode
0: three. But well, episode three of what? which season? Because there's so many seasons.
1: First, I think I think I'm on the first. I don't know actually. Because if you're watching on it on Netflix, it on,
0: so. uh, they don't have all the seasons. whatever came on
1: first. No, it's just whatever's on. Yeah. Netflix. I I'm I i was not keeping track, but I would love if someone was like, I can't find food if they. <laughs>
0: They're fucking doing some, like, shamanic
1: ritual, like, burning a scapula. And then, like, what if they, like, just
0: totally, you know, like, you just watch magic happen on reality TV? Well, (laughs) see, the thing is that they'd have to kill a caribou, and there are only a small handful of very skilled and lucky people in the history of that show who have killed a game animal. Uh, yeah. I, I remember the hearing someone killed a moose
1: and they couldn't really deal with it after they killed it. I haven't gotten to that episode, but oh. there's something about
0: that. Which, where are they? <laughs> where are the people?
1: I'm on, we're on a grizzly bear island or something weird. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what it was called, but it's the island with all the bears on it. <laughs> yes.
0: Okay. <laughs> yeah. The, one, the Mongolia seasons are fucking incredible. Um, mm. I also love the Patagonia seasons. Ooh. Uh, yeah, but that was season three that's the one that we first started with i love season three it's so good there's totally a girl who's like witchy as fuck and just so like tapped into abundance and like all these things and like you see all these people who are like fuck this god damn it and she's like right it's like incredible abundance and like look at this and oh my god look at all of this and like wow this is so amazing and it's like (laughs) she's having the time of her fucking life and then everybody else is like you know perspective is everything and she does have like a really good sight and that's the thing is like they're not all created Mm. equal but her vibes are top shelf and there's no no of course you know what maybe before
1: she got there her vibes are the reason she got exactly what I was just gonna
0: say dude her (laughs) top shelf vibes are the reason that she got the best fucking spot it's the reason that Mm -hmm. she like and and she's like an herbalist and so she like uses all these herbs and all these like yeah look for season three it's so fucking good i will (laughs) but also the latest i don't know if it's the actual latest season but it might be the latest season where it was it was in the arctic um oh that one is so good
1: oh i can't imagine i'm i'm a californian tried and true never been in the snow for more than just a ski trip
0: i would die same (laughs) same uh yeah these people are fucking hardcore as fuck and i just don't think i could do it but anyways i digress um i love love that show and yeah i would love them to use like because honestly if they use some some like divining some kind of great like divining some kind of magic So curious how that would change things because...
1: I know, right? Yeah. I mean, I believe it could help at least, you know, in certain situations. Yeah. Like, I mean, there was like in in the season I'm watching this guy totally like swims across a freezing lake to hope that there's something over there. And then he goes over there and he's like, nope, just dense forest. I can't do anything. So then he swims all the way back and he has not found any food. And I'm like, that's a huge waste of energy. If you had some psychic intuition, maybe you could just stare at it and know... That it's right or wrong. That you, you Is know, this the guy who's like... That it's worth... He's like... He's like a big Samoan-looking guy. Kinda. Oh,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. That guy's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, he seemed cool. But I was I was totally like, wow, he swam all the way over there for nothing. And I feel like I would have I trusted my intuition more. Right. I would not have done that for... I would have probably not even attempted something like that I'd have been like I'm already on land I'll just keep looking around
0: yes 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 absolutely oh my god dude that show is fascinating just like a fascinating study in in humanity human yeah
1: and then the strategy involved and you see some people just have no strategy and you're just like oh you're not gonna make it and then yeah. I was calling them like because I you know I play video games yes. so I was like looking at how people are doing things I'm like that's not gonna work that's not gonna work that's not gonna work and then they would like you know
0: have to call out and I'm like I was right mm-hmm.
1: video games mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thanks, video games. Yeah, <laughs> if only these people had scapulas oh, to man. burn or to uh, yeah, use. maybe they'd have a little bit more mm-hmm, luck out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a little bit of that divine yes, intuition, <laughs> absolutely. Um, oh, um, man. There was also like in East Asia, like in China. Um, so there were people. There were like you know the di- the uh, diviners that were for like the royal family. And so, like, oh, they found yeah. all these old, like, scapula bones. And, like, th- with these, they they had, like, whole like, drill marks in them. And so what they mm. would – and, like, then they had, like, etchings of Chinese characteristics. And, um, and it seems like what they were doing was, like, drilling holes into it and then, like, kind of seeing, like, what shapes the cracks made and these types of things. Oh. But there were, like m- – Like, yeah. There were much, like, higher quality, like, really nice, like, just, you know, scapulas – uh, for the royal family, and then there were like oh. the you know kind of regular ass like this is for just the people, and so it was interesting mm-hmm. like you know there were very like different levels of quality in those things, uh-huh. but it was still something that was like available to everybody. You know, it was like oh this is part of our culture. Um, That's so funny. Yeah. And then they have, you know, it was also used in Mongolia and Europe. Um, in Europe, it was like among the Greek and Serb farmers. It's apparently still used even today in some of those cultures. Mm. Um, cool, yeah, for the farmers. In Greece, after like feasts with like roasted lambs or goats, um, anyone who knew how to read a scapula would clean it at, of any of the remaining flesh and then lift it up to the light and interpret the various like shadowy bits um like showing oh, like filters through mm-hmm, it like yeah. what the shadowy parts look like Where on the dense parts yeah exactly yeah. like on the transparent parts of the bone and so a clear scapula was a good omen but if it was like uh very shadowy or whatever you know that wasn't as oh. good and then also the shadowy bits were used to predict the outcome of a battle um you know like if something was going to happen the next day or Like if people were gonna die or survive or whatever the case is, yeah, gnarly. Yeah.
1: Somehow I just wouldn't want to know that. I'd be like, let's do our best out there. Yeah,
0: everybody (laughs) just (laughs) put your all into it. You got this. Yeah.
1: I'm like, I don't, I don't need
0: to know. Yeah.
1: (laughs) What if it does say there's gonna be a lot of death and you to like pull out at that point?
0: Like, (laughs) I don't know. It really, really reminds me of Encanto, right? Like, yeah. Like we don't talk about Bruno because Bruno can see shit and we don't want to fucking know what Bruno sees.
1: We don't want to know. We don't know.
0: (laughs) We're not going to talk about him and his fucking gifts. Fuck that shit cuz he's fucking us, but it's like he's just telling us things. No. He's not. A, that was the funny thing. It. All
1: my students started coming to me with that song cuz they all wanted to sing all the songs from Encanto. Of and they want to sing that one, but we can't cuz it's like a huge, it's more than a duet. It's like all these people. So I'm yeah. like, "No, we can't do that yeah. one." But um it's a when I I didn't watch the movie first, I heard the song first cuz of my job yeah. and then and I was getting into it, and I was understanding it. And I was like, wait, are they all mad at this guy because he's just, like, psychic? Yeah. Like, screw that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on.
0: <laughs> all right. So the next one I'm going to talk about is palmistry. This is also known as chirology or chiromancy, which is just literally using the human form to mm-hmm. divine messages so like rump so funny i almost did palmistry too mm-hmm. and i'm glad you did i didn't have time <laughs> yeah yeah well it's funny because like rumpology also falls under this chiromancy I thought, yeah so i'll right. talk about that you, very I think briefly maybe you i did brought it
1: up yeah you i did
0: <laughs> um rumpology it's not one of these like you know seven forbidden whatever's but essentially it probably is because palmistry was just really common um it said people say that uh you know Sylvester Stallone's Jackie Stallone she created it but she's like I didn't create it like it's common knowledge that this was used thousands of years ago by the ancient Greeks and (laughs) Romans and so essentially it's like oh I can look at your butt and then based on the shape of it and the folds and all these things you know basically tell you like the left butt cheek represents the past and the right butt cheek represents the future
1: But then I read a story.
0: (laughs) I read a story. Like apparently, if you have a square butt, then you're very grounded or some shit. Um, And then like people with round butts, it's like
1: phrenology,
0: right? Yeah, I can totally see how this is a thing. Yeah, and then round (laughs) people with round butts are like you know happy and like optimistic or some shit. I like read this stuff and I did not write it down. I ended up reading an article about a guy who had his butt read by some chick in uh, the UK, Um, and um but what that woman the way that she would use it is like you know where Jackie Stallone is like the left like the the sides of your butt represent the hemispheres of your brain and she you know was basically like very clear that like the left side is the past and the right side is the future and this other Rumpologist was like yeah you know it could be either way it can just kind of be what it is and she didn't really tell the future or anything well i believe in palmistry
1: isn't it like the dominant hand it doesn't matter what side it's like the dominant hand is the present or something i don't know maybe i don't know you know i don't even remember reading that particular
0: detail Ah, um mm. within palmistry I have books on palmistry. I could have done it. I bet you I do. Just forgot. Yeah. Well, feel free to chime <laughs> in on anything that you know because I'll see if I remember anything. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I do. I do personally have a
1: very rare mark on my hand. Do what? Your mole that is no. Well, I do have a mole on my Jupiter mound, which Jupiter uh, is mound. it. It means uh, so. Whenever Makes you have a mole, that's like Jupiter... an, it's an emphasis. Yeah, it's an emphasis on that area of the hand. And when I was, uh, I, I got this when I was like about 17, and I thought I was like having like melanoma or something. Weird. And we went to the dermatologist. But the, the dermatologist uh, was like, no, you're just growing a mole. Like that just happens. Sometimes you just get new moles. And so I got a new mole, but it was on my palm. And I, yeah, it was weird. Now everyone thinks I have something on my hand, but it's just a mole. So and, um, strange. On my other hand, and I you, I can see it clearly. I don't know if you'll be able to, but it's, I'm going to put my finger underneath it and stretch it out. But there's this little mark. It's, it looks like a little thumbprint. Mm. It's hard to see. Yeah. It uh, it's is. like, it's hard to see. Yeah. And it's, it's easy to see in person. It's hard to see it if you're not here, but it's called the fairy's thumbprint. Oh. And it's, you cannot find anything about it. But so it it's is, real. Um, I only <laughs> met joking. one other person that had it as well. Um, mm. So it's like the fairy's thumbprint. Yeah, I don't know. It's on the. Does it it's on the. It's supposed to. It's supposed to be some kind of personality trait. Maybe it means I'm, like you know, ladi da all the time, which is kind of true. So mm. <laughs> you know, ladi da. Yeah, but that uh, definitive um, yeah. explanation of things. I know. I've um, had it forever. I can still see it nice and clear. I'll try to send you a picture of it if I can get it to show up in a photo. But uh, yes. or maybe I can
0: color it or circle it and show it to you. But yeah, fairy's thumbprint. Anyway, you fascinating. Um, <laughs> yeah. So so, you know, like rampology, palm reading is just you use your hand instead of your butt. Um, <laughs> criticism of palmistry, um, you know, often rests with the lack of empirical evidence supporting its efficacy. And I think it's just uh, I ended up reading something where somebody uh, they used to be like a mentalist and they would do like magic tricks and stuff and then he would also just read poems because he's like whatever dude i don't give a fuck like Mm -hmm. I'll just read poems and like believe it and so like people would be like wow this is incredible so like he really believed in what he was doing and then somebody some other magician or some shit was like what if you just try like reading exactly the opposite of what you see and so he started doing that and they were just as applicable to the people that he was reading them for so he's like now I really like don't know about it like, like I'm just, like
1: you know they they gain their own imp-
0: interpretation I guess exactly. Like it's just like tarot cards
1: you know yes y- you get the info and then you interpret it the way you need to sure I guess
0: exactly <laughs> it's just like what your brain is looking for and how your brain is like organizing information yeah. and you're making it you know make sense and true for you which is why like literally everything we talk about in this podcast is like yeah all right could be yeah. possible hey if it works for you then it mm-hmm. works doesn't it totally. so if you want someone to read your butt or if you want to read a butt and it makes sense <laughs> to you or if you want to read a hand um what have you then you know live your life um mm-hmm. but oh yeah and I should say
1: sorry I, I no, realized no, I'm talking about this mole meaning emphasis if you have a wart somewhere then that's a bad thing so Ooh. moles are good but warts are bad so and obviously Ooh. you can remove a wart so you know yeah. you, so can well you can molds, remove moles <laughs> too. yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway there's a and, and i'll link some books that i have for palmistry if you guys are interested because i do have a few that i like to use including the palmistry bible that's a thing yeah of course it is yeah it's like a totally like huge book and it doesn't it's like i don't know i you'd have to memorize a lot of it for it to really be in use for you Mm -hmm. i don't know but yeah i've been into palmistry since i was a kid that was another thing that i got into along with everything else (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. i mean i remember like like i think that for me anything that's like fortune telling that's like telling the future has always scared me because it's like i don't i don't want to know so like (laughs) You know, reading like your lifeline or your love line or whatever the fuck mm-hmm. type of shit on your, you know, your palm. I'm like, first of all, I don't remember what I ever learned, but I did yeah. remember. Like, I remember like probably whenever you got into it, like, you know, pro- probably we all got into it. Yeah. And so then we're like, oh, like I have all of these little lines coming off of this line and this right. line doesn't go all the way down and this one's right. broken. And Well, you know, you know like, so the,
1: this guy here. So you see the three lines yes. right here? Yes. So uh, when you close your fist... And you look yes. at the, the curve of your pinky, it's the, the large knuckle, not any part of the finger, but the large knuckle and then like the flesh
0: next to that should have lines show up next to it. That's how yes. many kids you're supposed to have. So what, ha- like however many lines are in the middle of the two big creases? Um, Yeah, exactly. So you have the two big creases between the knuckle and the, I guess that's your
1: uh, personality Hand. line. Yeah, oh. <laughs> it's the first line on your palm, and so yeah, you fit, you clench your fist, and there'll be little lines right here, and that'll
0: tell you oh, how many kids you're you. gonna have. Yeah. See, I only have one. Yeah, if I have three,
1: possibly
0: four. And that's um. Well. Well, and how many animals do you have? You have four, four. right now. <laughs> so kids is up to interpretation. Well, now let's talk about pyromancy. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, pyromancy is the art of divination by means of fire, and of course there are different types of, uh, you know, pyromancy. So we'll talk about some of them. Obviously, this shit is in Greek legends. You guys have definitely heard of it. There's fire, like fire, is an important thing for humanity in general. It's like apparently it's why we why humans began have been to, able evolve. to evolve. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we started eating. We started cooked eating cooked
1: – yeah, that was, like, yeah. a huge part of our evolution. <laughs>
0: exactly. Apparently, it's important. Yeah. Um, but, you know, basically, in any in any culture, there's some sort of uh, divination that has to do with fire, and I don't feel like talking about that, but I'm going to talk about the different <laughs> kinds of pyromancy. Nice.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, so the most basic form of pyromancy uh, involves a diviner observing flames from a sacrificial fire or a candle or another source of fire. And then they interpret the shapes that they see within the fire. Um, but some other ones, like there's one called allomancy, which is divination by salt, where hmm. you uh, cast salt into a fire. And, does and it, like, then, like, see smoke? I feel like I've seen this in shows or movies me too. or whatever. Yeah. Where then it like, it like makes the fire like explode or whatever. Yeah. So I think it just has to, it just changes the shape and the color Catch probably of the fire. Catch
1: salt into my
0: fire <laughs> later. <laughs> Guess what I'm about to do. <laughs> um, then there's botanomancy, which is divination by burning plants. Um, oh, that's good. Capnomancy, sweet. which is divination by smoke. Uh, so like thin smoke. Like the incense. That, Mm Instant. exactly dude that's exactly what this is so um light thin smoke that rises straight up is a good omen and if Mm. it does anything else it's a bad omen oh interesting Um, yeah um cosinomancy is uh, divination by burning and it doesn't matter what is burned it's just you burn Mm. something and that's cosinomancy hmm um, mm-hmm. Daphnomancy, which is also called Empyromancy, is divination by burning laurel leaves. So more ah. specific than just plants. Mm-hmm. Osteomancy is divination burning bones. Um, a one type involves heating to produce cracks, which is obviously related to scapulomancy. Right, yeah. Uh, so, and then you kind of determine like what the patterns of the cracks mean. Mm-hmm. Um, Then there's plastromancy, which is divination using turtle plastrons. I don't know what those are. The maybe plastron. it's the under,
1: maybe it's the underneath plastron. part of the turtle. I want to know.
0: The flat part of the shell. Yeah,
1: there you go. That's what I figured. At the it was. bottom. It's the belly. Yeah, the bottom of the shell. Yeah.
0: Oh. Sad. I used to have a little pet turtle, and one
1: time he got a he got an infection. We had to drill into it and give him a little. Yeah, we had to take him to the vet. They, like, drilled into his plastron, and then he always had a little hole on the bottom for the rest of his life. We had to keep it clean. <laughs> I remember that turtle.
0: Yeah. Leo. Leonardo. Yeah.
1: He ran away. <laughs> uh,
0: of course he did. Because <laughs> you and, let him outside.
1: <laughs> yeah, and then he lived back he's like, there for deuces. years. like, deuces. Fuck he you lived, guys. Yeah, we would, like, see him. He, like, lived in around. the plants
0: and shit, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. He was just out there hanging.
0: Yeah. <laughs> You know, Morgan Hill, super chill turtle environment. <laughs> <laughs> Not hot at all for a turtle. Nah, nah. Very fine. He was good, yeah. He was good. Oh, so right. funny. <laughs> um, uh, so in China, plastromancy was done by heating pits that were carved into the plastron. Hmm.
1: Interesting. Interesting.
0: Then, of course, we just talked about like my turtle. He had a
1: little pit in his plastron.
0: <laughs> yeah, so if you burned it, you'd be doing some divination potentially. <laughs> oh course don't do that um (laughs) sideromancy is divination by burning straw with an iron so you get an iron really hot and then you burn the straw and i wonder if it's like what happens to the straw or is it about the smoke yeah i bet it's about the straw
1: probably like how it curls up or whatever (laughs) so yeah um this is my last one then taylor's gonna wrap it up with a couple but um so i looked up scarpomancy which is uh divining by looking at people's shoes and I thought that this was gonna be like just a cute one like da. -da -da. you know it turns out it's actually a very real like viable form of divination that is backed up by like science and like law enforcement so this is I know so I could not find anything about this online I can't find videos I can't find articles but I did find this website, which I will link below if you guys want to buy this book that I bought. It was uh, $40, which was probably a little expensive for the content, but I just had to. Wow. I'm like, I'll still you use it went myself. There. Well, I wanted to know. I was like, am I going to, is this worth it? And I was like, I just want to know. It's the only thing out there on this stuff. So I was like, Dude, you're dedicated well. to the pod. I <laughs> don't. It's not about the money. It's about my own personal. <laughs> I'm so like, funny. I want to know. So, uh, but literally like, So, so this, it comes with two books. It came with like a a getting started guide and it came with like the actual like book on Scarpomancy and the book is like 70 pages long. It's just short little uh, and it's mostly pictures. So it's, it's not really like this like book book kind of thing, but it was an ebook and it gets emailed to you and it's just this one guy, um, Scott Dravis. So he kind of gives his whole like, uh, you know how he wanted to be in law enforcement And that was how he got into this, was that he was learning to be a cop. And then it was like, um, you know, we, we identify criminals by their shoes that they're wearing. That's like a big thing that people in law enforcement do, because when a criminal is committing an act, a lot of times they wear lots of layers of clothing so that they can shed their appearance as they make their getaway, but the one thing they can't change is their shoes. So there's, like, this whole thing about, like, watching your your criminals through the shoes that they wear. So uh, there's also... Science, I'll get into this here about how science backs this up as well. So um, shoes are a conscious choice. Shoes characterize every aspect of a person's life, including job, hobbies, recreation, family life, personal interests, successes and failures, trials and tribulations, beliefs, comfort zone, and more. So (laughs) I thought this was so fascinating. Yeah, this is from Scott Drabus. He says, I give all of my personality readings, of which that's what this is used for. It's to, to learn about someone's personality. Um, He gives the readings from the impressions he gets from a person's shoes. He will covertly observe their footwear and give his psychic impressions about that person from whatever stretches of the ether that his inspiration comes. So it's like he uses his intuition as he's looking at the shoes and things will come to him. And it says science backs up this divination. In volume 46 of the peer-reviewed Journal of Scarpomancy... (laughs) (laughs) Research and personality. Four researchers from two different universities published an article that titled... Shoes as a source of first impressions. Their experiments show that surprisingly minimal appearance cues lead perceivers to accurately judge others' personality, status, or politics based solely on their shoes. They take the concept of identity claim, a symbol or symbols displayed by the owners to reinforce their self-image, and prove that shoes, with their great variety of styles, brands, looks, and functions, carry individual difference information. We as readers or diviners can use that information to give our clients surprisingly accurate personality readings. Wow. And then it says, why shoes? In addition to the background provided uh, that I just said there, um, shoes are usually the single most expensive item in a person's outfit. So you know that they've been very particularly chosen. In addition to serving a practical purpose, shoes are, uh, serve as a nonverbal cue with symbolic messages. And with so many different styles, colors, and shapes, and variations, the shoes really say a lot about the person wearing them. I found this really interesting as well. The national average of shoes per person is about 19 and a half pairs each. (laughs) Everyone out there's got a missing shoe. (laughs) Men have an average of 12 pairs, and women have an average of, can you guess?
0: 33 pairs.
1: Oh, very close. 27. Not bad. okay. Okay. Yeah. So with all of the pairs that a person can own, how do we know that we're being accurate with a pair that someone has decided to just put on that day, right? So this Yo, is kind of like mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and can we also talk about how what if there's shoes that you've been wanting for years but they're just like not quite in your budget or it's not how you feel comfortable spending your money at the moment because let me fucking tell you. If I had an unlimited budget, my shoes would be off the fucking chain. <laughs> If you've never heard of Charlotte Stone shoes, fucking look them up. That
1: says a lot about you because for me, I'm the kind of person who finds one pair that I love and I will buy that pair over and over and over and over. So mine are the Keds Triple Kicks. I love those. I love Keds Triple Kicks. I, I have them in different colors. I have them. Yeah. And, and, and then before that, it was Vans. I always wore Vans. Right. Yeah. So it's like I, I have like the one shoe that I like. And, and if it's a dress shoe, I always wear ankle boots. Like I have the one that I like. and I'll mm. always wear that one. And yeah. that's um that. So that, you know, depends. It says
0: a lot about our personalities, doesn't yeah. it? I think that's funny. I'm a fan of like fancy, colorful, stylish wooden clogs. That's what Charlotte Stone Shoes does, and they also do beautiful sandals, but they're like minimum about $180 per pair, upwards of, you know, close to $300 per pair, but I would have, I would have like at least five pairs of those shoes if it was, if it were in my budget, and I think I I found them during the pandemic, so I was like, Mm cool. I'm not going to spend this kind of money on shoes right now. I (laughs) know, Right. And then I just never really, you know, have gotten back to a place where I felt comfortable spending that money. But goals, dude.
1: Yeah. My, my. So don't
0: judge my Reef. two-year-old. No, Reef slides I because, no, I love that. I am wearing, look at,
1: wait, 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 what? Hold on. Is
0: this what yes. you're wearing? Are we wearing so, the same well, shoes? <laughs> I'm not, I'm not wearing any shoes right now, but um, I love those. I want the two-strap kind. I have the one wide strap, but I have yeah. the tan.
1: Oh, yeah. So I have a, a double strap in tan that are a different brand, and I love yeah. them so much. Again, I find a pair I love, yeah. and then I will buy that pair, but it was by XOXO. And uh-huh. I was like, okay, it's a good, but I want more stylish. And then yeah, reef, reef was like, we're having a we're having a Fourth of July sale, so I got yeah. the I got the slip on the the slide yep. sandals in black and white because I had the yep. neutral pair and I always wanted a black or a white option. So I got yes. both for
0: a hundred bucks for both pairs. That's it was very a good, good. deal, it was and good I deal, like yeah. that they have arch support. Yes, and they're, they're really so comfortable. Yeah, Reefs are awesome. So you know, yeah. but that's
1: yeah, very me. Is I'll find one style that I. I just love and I will buy that style again and again and again until I find another one that I love. I've also done that with van slip ons because I right. do have like
0: I have like three pairs of van slip ons in different right. colors.
1: Uh, yeah. And those are like your everyday throw them on and go. Right. So yeah. um, now this is an interesting thing that the, I think it's called the Pareto principle. It states that 80 percent of a company's income comes from 20 percent of its customers which is a principle that can be applied to almost every aspect of life. And this comes into when we're talking about, okay, how do we know that we're reading someone's shoes accurately if someone can have so many different pairs of shoes? Right. So um, but you can apply the Pareto principle to the shoes. Um, We often wear about 20 percent of our shoes 80 percent of the time. Right. Yeah. So that's uh, so generally when someone is wearing a pair of shoes, you can kind of rely on whatever they're wearing to really tell you. Or if you were pair, wearing your super fancy pair of Charlotte, whatever they're called, Charlotte, Charlotte, um, Charlotte Stone. Yeah. Charlotte Stones. If you're wearing those, even if, you know, they are your super fancy pair, that still says a lot about you because you chose those. Right. Yeah. So um, shoes are the least changing aspect of our daily changing outfits as well. And are the only piece of clothing a criminal won't change when evading police by altering their appearance again, as I said. So um, so basically, right, we, um, it's like, I know I have my, my kid's triple kicks. I make sure all my outfits look good with those <laughs> shoes yeah, so that's that's yeah. That's now, how I feel um, about
0: the reefs because that's what I wear pretty much every day. Because right. I live in Southern California, I want to wear a sandal. Yeah, those look pretty good. Like they they're look, cute. they're they're not just like a flip flop. Like they're a cute little stylish. like slide sandal. Yeah, they are yeah. stylish. I remember when I first mm-hmm. pulled them out, my mother-in-law saw them and was like, "Oh, those are really nice slides." I'm like, yeah. "They're just reefs. They're just yeah. reefs. It's like not that big of a deal." But thank you. Yeah, yeah. And, You know, this reminds me of like back when I worked in corporate, there were these two people. That I overheard having a conversation. Um, one of them was my friend. The other one I just felt like was a judgmental asshole. And they were like, they're like, oh, I always look at a person's shoes. Because you can tell a lot about a person by so their shoes. So it's a very well-spoken piece of advice. You hear that from people all but the it's time. Like, but it's like, okay, they're like, yeah, you can tell if someone's wearing shitty shoes. Like, ugh, like it doesn't matter what the rest of their outfit is. Or if someone has nice shoes, like those people give a shit. And those people to like, it together. You worked in and sales I, and like, though, right? Yes, That's I what did sales work in sales. people
1: salespeople are trained a lot of times to look at shoes
0: to know if someone's willing to buy something. But we were in that, yeah. sales over the phone, well, mostly. That well, <laughs> unless... But I mean, like you were... Those people did go to trade shows a lot. And so trade shows was a big part of it. But it's also like, I mean... I just was like, you guys are fucking assholes because what if I just don't have the budget for the shoes that I would really want? Because that, don't be rude. It's not that I'm making a bad yeah. choice. I'm just making an economical choice. Yeah. This doesn't represent me. And then Scarpa Mancy's
1: got you covered there. So <laughs> yes. now it says, how shoes? How do you read the shoes? As soon as someone approaches you for a reading, glance at their shoes. You don't have to study them intently for uh, several minutes. The psychological study points out that people are nearly as accurate in their judgments based on the shortest time intervals as well as like the longest ones. So it doesn't even matter how much time you spend looking at them, you'll have equal amount of accuracy. Brief glances, even one look seem to provide enough to generate an accurate evaluation. Observe everything that you can in that glance, the style of shoe, the brand and approximate price, age and condition, colors, toe shape, which is very important if it's a rounded or a pointed toe. It totally Mm -hmm. tells you about someone's social ability. It's kind of an interesting thing. Um, What? Heel height. Yeah, ankle height. So if it's like a high top or a low top. Uh, comfortableness, practicality, coordination with the ensemble, et cetera. So that, when, when it says that, I always think of like those, those dorky guys that would just wear the same pair of like trainers New with everything. Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. And you're just like, come on, like try a little harder. But you know, what's so funny <laughs> to me is that like, so yeah. Jesse, my husband has a bad toe mm. from, um, he like hit it on the side of the pool a lot when he was a swimmer mm, and, no. and then he's like. He's you know, Because growing up, people aren't like, you should walk in walking shoes and run in running shoes. Or if they do say that, it's like, because you're putting miles on your running shoes. And so you shouldn't do that. But actually, they are designed very differently. And so walking Mm -hmm. shoes are really important. And if you're going to be doing a lot of walking, you should be wearing walking shoes, not running shoes. They're not interchangeable. And when you walk in running shoes, because the heel height is different, then Mm -hmm. it puts different pressure on your toes when you walk. And so then it can cause pain in your toes and in your hip flexors and in your lower back and all this shit which is like where Jesse experiences pain wow and so he's had to be very um particular about his shoes just because literally like for his feet Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: so like literally just the other day he was like looking at these like hideous slide on like it's like <laughs> it's like old people slip on sketchers walking shoes oh is what God. they looked like and I was like Cool, and he's like, I don't really give a fuck if my feet don't hurt. Like, I don't care what they you look know, like. And isn't that how we age? <laughs> yeah, Visually. and I'm like, I'm like, well, you're just like, you're about comfort and being, and it's like, it's practical for That's you. So right. like, you gotta I do what get you gotta that. do. But yeah. he, th- he then is that guy. Or like, right. we have these really nice um hiking boots called Zamberlands, which are like mm-hmm. they're motherfucking hiking boots. Yeah, they're. I love them, but like, I have he'll end up wearing yeah. them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he'll end up wearing yeah. them. just like on his walks around the neighborhood or because like because they give him support there you go yeah and totally. it's like he needs that stiff footbed for his yeah. toes so that it doesn't bend and do all this fucked up shit there
1: you go makes sense but it just makes
0: me think about this because i'm like yeah he's that guy
1: he's that yeah. guy who's like i don't really care
0: i don't care right. if I look, look good with my outfit because i don't want to be in
1: pain and so and that, that you know and it's a, it's a pain thing for him but also like it does say that about his personality, that he's going to put that comfort over his style, right? Mm. So oh yeah, Always. there you go. Yeah, that's an accurate reading there. Um, so it says you should learn enough f- information from just a couple seconds that giving a 5 to 10 minute personality profile should be easy. And you can even stretch it out longer if need be. Um, so there are, so I'll just give a, a quick overview of the things that you look for. Um, And then this book had like literally like all the different kinds of shoes and what they mean, which is like, you know, combat boots, like dress shoes. Like it it literally had like everything, which I'm not going to get into that. I could, but I won't. Um, So age and condition of the shoe. Uh, Conscientious people might clean and organize their shoes more regularly. Their shoes Mm. may may possess a newer or tidier look. Um, Conversely, people who don't care what people think of them may have less attractive or stylish shoes like we were just saying it's like it depends you'll see very clearly if someone cares if people think about that or not right so
0: yeah that's definitely um, not me like my white slip-on vans are fucking gray and dirty and i also have a yeah. pair of like nike walking shoes that were like a light pink and i remember <laughs> but they're just like they're just like shoes that i wear like and right. they've gotten dirty and whatever and i'm yeah. just like I'm just not a person who washes my shoes like whatever. Right. but we were around my in-laws and my mother-in-law was like to both of us, like about our shoes, she's like, Your shoes look very well loved. And I was like, That's a nice way of saying it. Yeah, like, First yeah, of yeah, all, yeah. not a necessary observation, but I mean, I guess that's like the most polite way you could say you, your shoes right. look fucked up. Like,
1: <laughs> yeah. And then, well, this is also saying that um, that denotes a pragmatic person or someone who is concerned of, or not concerned, but aware of their resources. So um, if you see someone that's like wearing down their shoes to the very last scrap, it might not mean that they're poor. It might just mean that they know that, you know, there's still life left in those shoes. They're not going to throw it away. Right. So, yeah. And I've got shoes like that, too. Um, yeah. And I use them in the garden. You know, it's I'm not going to wear them to work. Right. But um, right. So then toe shape. So toes, uh, let's see, shoes with a pointed toe indicate a person who is less agreeable or less friendly. We know someone who wears pointed shoes all the time, don't we? <laughs> Oh, yeah, we do. Yeah, oh, that's yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and they are definitely more of that kind of aggressive personality type, a little bit more, a little less friendly towards, I mean, you know, obviously this person is very friendly with us. But yes. um, maybe to new people, this person doesn't really come across that way. And we know her well enough to, to say that, right?
0: Yeah. So Sometimes um, it doesn't even come across, you know nice all the time to us <laughs>
1: yeah it's all love though totally it's so, all uh, love she's just kind yeah. of a
0: bitch though <laughs> um, she's not so gonna yeah. listen to this there
1: uh, you go <laughs> so anyway uh god what if yes, she did, it, says, I believe it says less emotionally stable calm even tempered relaxed more conversely oriented politically <laughs> like more combative yeah kind of funny So, yeah, conversely, round-toed shoes indicate a more liberal person who tends to be more calm, even-tempered, relaxed, friendly, generous, helpful, and modest. And I will say... All of my yeah, all of my shoes are round toes. i yep. I'm, I think I have one pair that's pointed, and I just I don't love them. But I even feel like I buy shoes that are too round, and then they look annoying to me, and I have to be aware that I do that. Yeah, I'm like I look like I'm wearing that's gummy cartoon so shoes. That's
0: Funny. Yeah, yeah, like I have to like be aware that they're too round. Yeah, um, I have like one pair of high heels that has a pointed toe, but it's just like the yeah. style, and it's yeah, cute. yeah, it's more and like you otherwise do it because of the style. Yeah. Yeah, it's just right. you know, exactly. But otherwise totally. they're all rounded. Right. So I'm ankle just a high. rounded toe type of person. Yeah, you know what me I mean? <laughs> just really totally. kind and generous and yeah. like all the good
1: things. <laughs> yeah. So this is a uh, this is interesting. So agreeableness is negatively correlated to high top shoes. Like you're too agreeable. So uh, the higher the shoe goes up the leg, the less friendly, generous,
0: helpful, and modest the person is. <gasps> wow 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 this speaks so much to me i'm thinking about somebody else that i know who is like queen of high tops and i'm like No, for sure. Oh, my God. You got a high top personality. You are not friendly. Not even to your family. You're mean. (laughs) You're a mean girl. (laughs) Oh, my God.
1: So there's a reason dominatrixes are associated with uh, these thigh high boots. Right. So that's kind of. Yeah. Higher ankles also indicate a less emotionally stable person. One who is more likely to avoid personal attachment with others. Yet one who seeks greater security. So that's an interesting thing, too, is they need that secure feeling. Yeah. yeah. No, this is all tracking. This oh, all my sense. God. I love it. And so then they, there's also this somewhere else in the book that's not here that said that, like, if the if the shoe cups the ankle, like how a um like an athletic shoe does, mm. that that that's flexibility. So it's like you're a more flexible person. Right. So if you of, often wear shoes that cup your ankle or go underneath and su- like support the ankle with like cushion
0: mm-hmm. uh
1: that that's yeah you're more you, you are more flexible
0: so wow. those who i'm wear, all the yeah. good things when it comes to shoes <laughs> me too <laughs> like not to like toot my own horn but like beep beep you know what i'm saying <laughs> oh my god just kidding, just so kidding, just you kidding. know i love it so
1: comfortableness and practicality for those who wear more comfortable shoes and are uh let's see it says Whose shoes are practical for the conditions are quite friendly, generous, helpful, modest. They are more outgoing yet relaxed. People with uncomfortable or impractical shoes seek the attention and approval from others. um, Mm. And they tend to have a fear
0: of abandonment or rejection and
1: can be unfriendly, vain, or agitated.
0: (laughs) That's interesting because I definitely have a fear of abandonment and rejection, but I also <laughs> reject discomfort in my shoes. Yeah. I literally you know, can't handle it. I'm just like That's no. So no. Even not with my fancy
1: shoes, I'll put like padding in them and all kinds
0: of yeah. stuff. I'm not totally. available to be terribly uncomfortable for fashion. It's not
1: Yeah. Work so it for says me. Uh, also if you if you coordinate shoes well with your outfit, it is a uh, that indicates a person with a high attention to detail and it shows mm-hmm. uh that they are more conscientious, careful, organized, uh, well-disciplined, self-disciplined, and enjoys the company of others. Mm. So, you know, you're more socially affable, right, if you have Mm. shoes that coordinate with your outfit. (laughs) Yeah. And if your shoes are not well-coordinated, it means that you may avoid personal attachments or lack organization and discipline. Interesting. Um, Yeah. I would also say, like, to me, like, if my shoes are not like that's like something that bothers me. I don't like having even when I put on my athletic shoes, they have to go with my athletic clothing. Like I don't like it when my
0: shoes don't match.
1: And, yeah, um,
0: I've kind of fucked that yeah. up because I've gotten purple running shoes the last couple times I've done it. <laughs> I have, it, my, I have and, a like, black pair and a white pair. Yeah, <laughs> would I would like to have a black pair, but I've gotten these purple ones, and then I just feel like like not. I have. I love. Now you have color, to buy purple. Clothing but sometimes for I'm just like, out. God damn it! Like this, I just look like a clown. I love it. But I liked the shoe. It's really actually because the shoe itself was really comfortable, and it was comfortable with my insert. Mm, and yeah. and so it's hard to find a shoe that's deep enough. You know, yeah. when you put an insole yeah. in, and so that was I my use, I use
1: Asics, and I use my inserts in the Asics. It seems to work pretty well. Mm. Um, so let's see. We've got the, uh, just a couple more things here on how you can read shoes. Um, detail and complexity shoes that are plain and lack adornment are worn by people who are more agreeable friendly modest stable and relaxed you see a lot of these same words coming up Mm self-conscious people will wear shoes with more complexity or adornment they Mm. tend to be less agreeable have higher attachment anxiety less emotionally stable and are more defensive now all my shoes that i have are usually monotone i don't have adornments on my shoes i wear pretty like
0: If there is an adornment, it'll be, like, a strap. It's,
1: like, I don't Mm -hmm. really... Yeah,
0: so that's kind of... I would say that's true for my shoes at this point, except for those purple running shoes that I mentioned. But (laughs) also, when I I am in massive overflow mode and I am buying all my Charlotte Stone shoes that I want, like, those are multicolor, like, gorgeous... Yeah, like, a bright colors. Fun. Like, I mean, I guess they're technically adorned, but they're like it's it's like the most classy way.
1: Right? Yeah, I'd love to see. see him. Yeah, totally. I'll send so it to the you on Instagram. Thing, yeah, totally. Yeah, I'd love to see it. So the the last thing that's here is color of the shoe, which I thought was cool because this mm. is like you know. So they they what go I through just say. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So this has like white, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, purple, gray, brown, black. So just not, you know, every color of the rainbow, but pretty much. So white is, uh, I commonly wear white shoes. That's my number one color. So it it says beginnings, start, new, individuality, independence, and leadership. And what am I? I'm an entrepreneur who is a teacher. (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) that's right. Uh, Red is partnership relationship cooperation teamwork diplomacy orange is growth progress gain creativity artistic talent yellow is stability status quo reliability consistent predictable um possibly health issues (laughs) okay
0: weird
1: (laughs) green is instability chaos crisis loss not satisfied risk what the heck don't wear green shoes guys Wow. It can mean restlessness, change, excitement, novelty, experimentation, taking chances, variety, trip, travel, adventure, or youth and wildness. That's quite a wide variety of I like the second half of Me that Me too. List. What the heck? That's
0: what I would choose to go yeah. with. Yeah.
1: Totally. So blue is family, nurturing, relationships, group dynamics, hearth, home, living space, or responsibility, loyalty. Um blue sounds like a cancer. <laughs> Um, purple is wisdom, experience, setbacks, blockages, blockages, opposition, um, or religious beliefs, superstitions, philosophical issues, intuition, spiritual, psychic, which a lot of people that I know that are into spiritual stuff have purple items a lot of times. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So let's see. Gray is a magnifier, overabundance, too much of a good thing, or, uh, fame and notoriety, Brown, which is my other most common I'm shoe color. I'm big on brown.
0: Color. Yeah,
1: yeah. so th- this is funny because white is my number one, which is beginnings, and brown is my number two, which is end of cycle. Oh, <laughs> Achievement, accomplishments, completions, success, time to move on, giving back, charity, humanitarian, community. So uh, the last one. What if it's one. just because it's a nice neutral? <clears throat> I know. I'm kind of there with you, right? <laughs>
0: So then the Or last one. it's none of right. that. <laughs> totally.
1: So black, which I mean I would say that that's my number 3 is communication, corresponding insight, deus ex machina. <laughs> Something unexpected or void or just nature. Sure. Cool. Interesting. So yeah, that's um what the scarpomancy book turned me onto there and uh Then, yeah, if you get this book, it'll literally just go through, like, it just gives you a picture, like Wellington boots. Often called rain boots or rubber boots. I want those. Wellies, right? Um, so practical, fun, youthful, reliable, enjoys outdoors and nature, adventurous, independent. So this book like has like even like wellies, you know, and UGG boots. There's one for UGG boots. Let's oh, I'm sure a lot of people wear. Them. Let's see. Self-conscious, seek approval from others. Trendy, fashionable, <laughs> value aesthetic over function. Conformity. I was just saying, it's not
0: 2005 anymore. I'm not sure that a lot of people. Well, wear them, a lot but... of people that we used to know had them all the time. Right? I mean, so. I had them, and I. Wore Oh yeah, a lot. Well,
1: it was, for it was sure. and, and hey, when we were teens, weren't we self-conscious, seeking approval from others, and trying to be Absolutely. trendy and fashionable? Of no course. doubt about it. Conformity, no tight-knit group of friends, feel lost in life, and seeking guidance. <laughs> Sounds like
0: I'm, us as teens. i was a big-time muck <laughs> boot. No proud. No, no, no uh, doubt. About I that. never,
1: I never had a pair because you know my mom. She was like, "It's a fad. We don't do that in this house."
0: <laughs> <laughs> Boring. I know. <laughs> yeah, no, we had muck so boots uh, so, for show. I know.
1: So there you go. That's Scarpomancy, you guys. I think I, I think I gave you enough to. The next time you're that's out really in the world, fun. you could just look at some people's shoes and see what you can find
0: out. Dude, I'm, <laughs> all I'm gonna be doing is looking at people's shoes now. It's gonna be distracting. Yeah. Wow, that's, that's fucking bananas. I, I love that. I'm gonna <laughs> fucking scope out people's shoes. <laughs> like I do anyway, because I'm just like interested in what people wear in general, and I do like shoes. Jesse's totally. always like, we have too many shoes. We need to get rid of some shoes. And I'm like, how about you just just mind your business? Don't <laughs> <love> touch <laughs> my shoes. Um, but I definitely have like three pairs that I wear. And then that's mostly all I wear. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on what I'm doing. Okay. Totally. I have two more. Uh, cool. The next one I have is geomancy. And so that translates literally to foresight by earth or the science of the sand. And it's a method of divination that interprets markings on the ground or the patterns formed by tossed handfuls of soil, rocks, or sand. Um, Mm -hmm. The most prevalent form of uh, divinatory geomancy involves interpreting a series of 16 figures formed by a randomized process that involves recursion, followed by analyzing them, and then often augmented with astrological interpretations. So in some fantasy literature, especially, uh, you know, like the four classic greek elements uh like stories that deal with these classic elements like air water fire and earth geomancy refers to magic that controls earth and sometimes also metal and crystals um so obviously like other forms of divination geomancy has mythological associations um according to one arabic hermetic text idris or hermes trismegistus or whatever <laughs> witnessed hermes the- with
1: his little fl- ankles and little
0: Wingy ankles? Uh, yeah. Well, I I don't maybe I don't know. I'm not good at Greek ah. mythology, um, or any ah. kind of. I just know that from Hercules the Disney movie. Ah, uh, yes, 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 a classic. <laughs> um, anyways, this dude Idris uh, witnessed the angel Gabriel in a dream, and Idris asked for enlightenment, and Gabriel proceeded to draw a geomantic figure. Upon being asked what he was doing, Gabriel instructed Idris in the geomantic arts. Um, keeping this Ooh. secret, he sought out somebody an indian king who then wrote a book on geomancy and this book was passed down through clandestine circles into the hands of some other dude who traveled to medina and was converted to islam by the prophet muhammad himself confessing to knowing a divinatory art he explained that pre-islamic prophets knew geomancy and that by learning geomancy one may know all that the prophet knew um so that's one origin story another mythological story for the origin of geomancy involves Idris again. Basically, yeah. Idris asked God to help it, like help him have an easy way of making a living. And then one day he was resting and he was bored without work, and he just began to draw figures idly in the sand. And as he did so, yeah. a stranger appeared before him and questioned what he was doing. Idris replied that he was just entertaining himself, but the stranger replied that he was mm-hmm. doing a very serious act. And then Idris became incredulous and tried to deny that, but the stranger explained that the significance of the meaning of the figure that um, Idris drew. And then he commanded Idris to draw another figure, and upon doing so, the stranger explained the meaning and the significance of that figure. Um, oh, geez. The pair continued this process until Idris had discovered and understood the 16 figures. The stranger then taught Idris how to form the figures in a regular manner— and what the results meant, teaching him how to know things that could not be known with just the physical senses. After testing Idris's newfound knowledge and skill of geomancy and revealing himself to be the angel Gabriel in the process, the stranger disappeared. <laughs> and then um, Idris, thankful to God and his messenger that he had learned this art, never revealed the art to anyone. Um, but before he on, bro. before he died, he wrote a book describing the art as Gabriel had taught him um okay so (laughs) you know so basically it's really fucking complicated geomancy like when you try to get into it i it like was just making me uh tune the fuck out it's like these different little patterns of like dashes and dots and then kind of like eaching yes it is it is like eaching it's absolutely like that it's and it mentions Mm. it mentions that in this how, like, that's similar and <clears throat> and sort of connected. Um, and uh, so, like, that's the one in China. There's also a version of this in Africa. There's also an Arabic mm-hmm. version of this, which obviously, like, that's what the geomancy mm-hmm. we were talking about. So it's, like, this type yeah. of thing exists, like, literally all over the place. And it's just these, like, totally. dashes and dots that are arranged in different patterns. And however they appear, like, you can either you accept them <clears throat> in the pattern that they presented themselves as, or you can rearrange them. And it means different Hmm. things it's confusing Hmm. but that's basically how it works uh you know not how it works but that's what it is um that's geomancy (laughs) okay the last one that i have is necromancy and Mm. i'm sure you guys have heard this uh you know like who hasn't heard of necromancy um Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> yeah, you know Dungeons and Dragons, that really popular game that lots of us played growing up because we are from the '90s, <laughs> even though it was really a strong yeah. '80s game. But it, yeah, um, yeah, but totally, it is in. It is also in. We talked about this last time. Uh, the Doctor Strange movie. He right. uh, does some necromancy. So mm. necromancy is the practice of magic or black magic involving communication with the dead, either by summoning their spirits as apparitions, visions, or raising them bodily for the purpose of divination.
1: Yeah. Imparting the means. That's how you see it
0: in Dungeons and Dragons. Zombie. Mm-hmm. Army. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and so it's either to foretell future events or discover hidden knowledge or to bring someone back from the dead um, mm. or to use the dead as a weapon um sometimes (laughs) it's referred to as death magic and the term may also sometimes be used in a more general sense to refer to black magic or witchcraft Mm, witchcraft there's so much information about necromancy and like i legitimately don't have time to talk about all of it Um, but (laughs) early necromancy was related to and most likely evolved from shamanism which calls upon spirits such as the ghosts of ancestors. Classical necromancers address the dead in a mixture of high-pitched squeaking and low droning, comparable to trance states mutterings of shamans. Necromancy was also prevalent throughout antiquity, with records of its practice in ancient Egypt, Egypt, Babylonia, Greece, and Rome. And like, there's so it's like usually some really super complicated, um, like, uh, like ritual that takes days or weeks or months it can be this really long thing um sometimes yeah. it's like you're eating things that are sort of like death so it's like unleavened black bread and unfermented grape juice and wearing the deceased clothing um anything Ooh. that like symbolizes lifelessness and decay um mm. there are also some necromancers who would like literally eat the corpses but um, like it was <laughs> some of them it was like if the corpse had been dead for more than a year then they weren't going to try to summon the body they were just going to try to communicate with the spirits but if they hadn't been dead for more than a year then they were like we're going to like literally bring your body back and some of them believed that like some cultures believed that the dead had like advanced knowledge of things like because they were dead then they had this like broad scope of information that they could use to divine and then other people believe that the dead only knew whatever they knew in life so they won't necessarily be able to tell you anything extra um so it just depends on like are you trying to get something from this person that you couldn't get from them when they were alive or you know whatever the case is
1: yeah so yeah there's a
0: lot there's a lot a lot a lot to it but uh you know look it up on wikipedia there's so much you can learn if you want to learn it they also say that like necromancy is still uh you know still practiced um uh some not by me guys I do a lot of this shit I don't do that yeah (laughs) um (laughs) contemporary like people you know like they they basically say like seances channeling spiritualism verge on necromancy when supposedly they're mm. invoking spirits to reveal future mm-hmm. events or secret information so that can be considered necromancy um so technically like you know you we're necromancers we've done seances but that's uh, uh, yeah, that's well, real <laughs> you know that, I feel, that feels like necromancy adjacent um yeah but you know if you want to learn more you want to dive into the details then definitely look it up but that is all i have for you on necromancy
1: Uh, Yeah, and with that, guys, I think we can wrap this episode... I think we can
0: I think we can and I think we should yeah
1: oh my god big fat episode for you guys this week how fun absolutely and uh, we'll hit you guys up in a couple weeks yeah I hope
0: you guys loved with it with the last the last episode of the season in a couple weeks last episode of the season you got it we actually still don't know what and, it's gonna um, be about but we'll figure it out yeah <laughs> we'll figure it out <laughs> but thanks for listening if you nice. have feedback about how you you've, you have used these things if you have learned so much about what your shoes mean about you and all the people around you and you just want to share some fun <laughs> stories or other tools that you have used for divination we'd love to hear it feel free to send us an email all the stuff is in the show notes um, i think it's spiritual spectrum pod at gmail.com or dm us on instagram follow us on instagram it's uh spiritual.spectrum.pod And uh, tell your friends, (laughs) subscribe, leave a (laughs) review. All right. Thanks so much for tuning in, guys. We'll see you next time.
1: Thanks. Bye. Bye. The Spiritual Spectrum is an original podcast created by Taylor Whitmer, produced by Elena Music. send your connections to the show to spiritualspectrumpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to include you in a future episode. Find us on Instagram at spiritual.spectrum.pod. There you can stay informed of any future releases as well as catch any photos that are related to the episodes. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you in two weeks.